Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 10 of the Speak Out podcast, a podcast about all things mental health and Jesus. My name is Lauren Wilson. I'm the founder and president of Speak Out PDX, a nonprofit located in Portland, Oregon. If you are brand new to listening or you've been listening with us since the beginning, we are so glad you're here and part of the Speak Out family. And we just invite you to be exactly who you are, to be seen, heard, and loved, to be brave enough to get curious about what sits below the surface, to let down your guard just a little, to dismantle the armor that we've built around our hearts and minds, and to allow yourself space to pay attention to your body, your mind, and your soul, to unwind our hearts and minds and just let our souls rest. This is a place to allow yourself to change your narrative, to learn tools to help you to live a healthy, balanced life, to seek Jesus and rest in his tender, loving arms. This is a place to ask questions, to feel like you don't have to perform, but to just listen and learn who you are and what Jesus is calling you to. Before we start our interview with Jennifer Shahid, I wanted to preface this podcast with a warning. If you are someone who struggles with suicide, please don't listen to this alone. We have done our absolute best to fill this podcast with information that's educational and not triggering. But if you're hesitant to listen to this, we would encourage you to just listen to your gut and to pause this until you can listen with a close friend or family. Uh, today I'm here with my dear friend Jennifer Shaheen. She recently finished her doctorate in psychology and currently holds the position of health psychology postdoctoral fellow and has experience working in primary care, emergency departments, psychiatric hospitals, dual diagnosis and substance abuse facilities, as well as some bone marrow transplants and sleep medicine. Today I asked if she would be willing to talk with us a bit about suicide as some of you have requested a podcast on this. And so my hope would just be that through this podcast, you would feel a little less fearful in having conversations about suicide and then a little bit better equipped to navigate how to get a loved one the help. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so thankful um, for being able to have this opportunity and to, to help support the community talk and also normalize um, this conversation and to to, lo- to love and respond out of fear or not respond out of fear. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so excited for just all of the hard work that you've put into this. And um, today I just have four to five questions that we're just going to chat about. So the first one is, I, I get this question a lot, like what should I do if someone tells me that they're thinking about suicide? And then in that What's the difference between suicidal ideation? Because I know that's a kind of a hot word right now. And yeah. then like the actual um, actions of suicide and having a plan. Is there a difference in that? Can you explain some of that as well? So one of the biggest things I would always ask for people to do when they hear a friend or a dear family member that has said, you know, I've been thinking about suicide is I always ask for people to affirm the fact that somebody was honest and open about that uh, because it's really hard to ask for help um, 
that's a really scary thing, especially if it's new for someone. And so I, I encourage people to say, you know, I, I appreciate your sharing this with me. How can I best support you? Um, while offering choices for the individual. And what I mean by choices, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to call emergency services right away. You work together as a team um, to, 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 to talk about, am I going to take you to the emergency room or mm. what is the level of this, this thought? So when you say suicidal ideation, um, that is the thought. So you're, you have the thought about harming yourself in some sort of way. Uh, but there's also a term I use that, that, that you'll hear a lot too is intent. So what's the intent? So is the thought more so I want like an act of God to happen, like a car to fall from the sky. That is um, an example that I use and falls on me. Or is this thought that is ruminating, I'm ruminating over, um, I want to use a firearm or I want to use some sort of lethal weapon to end my life. So those are two different things, right? That is one thing is saying, I want just something to fall out of the sky. I don't actually have any specific plan. Um, and then one is very specific, right? I want to use yeah. a firearm or I want to, to, to jump off of a bridge. These are all really specific details to watch out for. Another thing to watch out for is also access. So if the person has access to a firearm, that also increases um, likelihood of, of risk. So mm -hmm. if the person doesn't have access, right, that's it. That's going to, we're going to respond a little bit differently, but if the person does, that is where there's an increase in risk. Um, and so with intent or with ideation, that is the thought of harm to self. Um, when I talk about this with others, when they, when they ask, how do, how do I support somebody? When I say like, here's some ways I'm thinking you give the option. So, you know, if they're, they're younger, do they want to talk to their parents? Or if that's triggering for them, do we take them to emergency services? Um, are they set up with a clinician? So if they already have a therapist, is this an important time to reach out to that therapist, depending on the level of risk? If the person is saying, I'm going to do this tonight at 8 p.m., that is, we're, we're talking about more than just ideation. They have a plan, they have intent and if they have access, that also increases. So that's a time where I would encourage them to go to emergency services. And I always, always encourage for the individual to, to have that choice to go to the emergency room. If the person is declining and saying, I don't want that, that is when you have to kind of pull in the, the top dog, essentially, and, and call for emergency services to come and support that person. Is there something specific that they would need to share with emergency services? Like, hey, okay, so I'm sitting with this person or let's say they call and they're like, bye, I have this plan at eight and you're not sure of where they are. Like, what would be the steps um, to get emergency services to them? And then would you need to know other information other than like their, you know, their name and location? Yeah, name, full name is always really helpful. 
location is also extremely helpful if you can. Um, if you do have the ability, have another phone around and somebody else to call emergency services while you stay on the phone with that individual um, to see if they could tell you where they are if they're not letting you know where their location is. Um, usually, if you know their home address, you can send them there first if that's like your only um, understanding of where their whereabouts are. But I encourage people not to like hang up the phone on them when that happens. Obviously, we don't have control over that if the other individual does hang up on you. But if you can stay really calm um, and try to talk to them in a very, very non-judgmental way um, and see if you can ask where they are in that moment. Um, so date of birth is also really helpful. Again, that just makes it more helpful for emergency services to be able to track down the specific individual. Not always all the information that we have, but that is really helpful for emergency services. Great. If they're with you in the moment, um, it is really important, to, important if you can get them to the emergency room to get assessed by a mental health professional. And at that point, you know they're in a safe place and... Um, they'll get some of the collateral information from you as well as um, from your friend or family member, and they'll be able to assess risk in that moment uh, because we also don't want this to just, the this is a lot of pressure for a family friend or, uh, you know, a, a family member um, to, to, to feel this responsibility that, that I need to make sure that they're safe, but they reached out to you and that is a huge huge opportunity to help support and get them additional support if yeah. you can. How would you encourage someone to respond if they did get that call? Um, what would be, you You mentioned um, like non-judgmental, non-judge, but what would be um, just some practical things that that individual could do if their heart's probably already racing and they're freak, like trying not to freak out? What would be some ways for they for them to respond in a healthy and helpful way? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's easier said than done to say, you know, we want to respond, respond out of love and not be fearful in the moment, but this is somebody's life that's at risk and that's extremely scary. Um, but we can stop for a second, take a slow stomach breath and remember that this person has reached out to you. And if we respond in a way that's very panicky um, or really aggressively, that could actually make it more scary for the individual that's calling you. Mm. Um, so I always ask to respond calmly if you can. Remind them that they're loved. Remind them that you know you're so thankful that you they called you, um, and that that's really meaningful, and that you want to best support them. And you know, see if you can if you can just kind of talk them down to decrease this um, highly. A lot of people are irritated. A lot of people are um, super energized when this happens, um, mm -hmm. really anxious. So if we can keep a calm tone, that will also assist in this situation because people will match you. They'll match your response. So if you're responding anxiously, so will the person calling you. Is there any other just helpful tips you have before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I, I always also recommend... If you do have a friend that calls you often for this, it's really important for them to get some sort of 
mental health connection. But I also want to say that in preface, it's also really difficult to gain access um, to mental health professionals at times, finances, mm-hmm. um, appointment times. So there's also a lot of 24-hour walk-in clinics that are helpful as well for people um, that can kind of get you more fast-paced support um, for hospitalization or for long-term care. Um, and so what we'll do at the end of the podcast is we'll have some resources in the Portland area for people to be able to go into crisis service um, walk-in clinics or call specific phone numbers or texting hotlines to have an additional layer of support. Great. That's perfect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible to predict suicide? And if so, or if not, um, how would how would someone like be able to kind of see some warning signs or um, notice things in loved ones that might not be quite um, or might be a little bit alarming? This is a hard question because there isn't necessarily a beautiful algorithm that will help us know if somebody will complete suicide or attempt suicide which is really difficult. Um, there's a lot of evidence-based screening that, that we do um, that we can assess if somebody is more highly at risk. Um, so when you bring them into emergency services, they have multiple evidence-based screening tools that can see the level of risk of the possibility of this person um, attempting and completing suicide. Um, and so those are really helpful. However, a lot of acts are sometimes impulsive. So maybe there wasn't even a thought of rumination that's happened um, prior, or maybe not even a thought um, of suicide prior to the, to the action. Sometimes it has to do with, unfortunately, um, medication issues. I mean, even that is, is (laughs) something you can't predict that would happen to somebody, unfortunately, um, which that could be impulsive behavior that happens and they do, they do attempt. One of the biggest things when it comes to predicting if somebody is more high risk for suicide is you'll often notice people will get rid of items. These are just some common themes that you'll see. It's not for everyone, but you'll see maybe some people will get rid of their items, um, either be really, really low. And if they have like a specific plan, you'll see that, oh, they seem to be better now. Like, just if there's been a shift in mood where they seem like really comfortable and really positive um, and hopeful when it's, it's been like a quick turnaround. That's usually when somebody's kind of made up their mind um, about a certain date that they'd possibly think about harming themselves. That's one factor that we've seen um, in our patient populations. We've, we've also seen um, an increased risk in, Um, individuals who have access to firearms, you know, even in teenage populations as well. If there's been somebody that they know that they've had that, that has completed suicide, there's an increased risk there. If there's been a family member that's also had um, an attempt or completion of suicide, those are also some sort of risk factor that increases likelihood. That does not mean 100% that they will Um, But these are all factors that we do see. Substance use is another thing. So if there's been some sort of substance use intermittently, you know, noncompliance with medication as well, that can also change 
um, shift of mood, um, as well as um, unstable housing or um, getting their basic needs met. So food, shelter, um, clothing, and just a place that's that's warm also increases risk for, for suicide. I've heard this before, but can you like give someone the idea of suicide? So if someone's mood was really low and then it changed, maybe they're giving away some stuff, oh, would it be a good idea to ask them in that of like, hey, are you thinking about suicide? I feel like something, you know, your moods, your moods change. You seem to be doing a lot better. Mm. How would you navigate that? Yeah, so I do want to preface first, a lot of people think that asking actually increases the likelihood of somebody attempting or completing suicide, but there is no evidence that that, that increases the risk of the person um, attempting suicide. If you ask them, hey, have you been having thoughts of harming yourself or another person? Um, I try to use those terms instead of like, have you thought about killing yourself? That's mm-hmm. pretty aggressive to to <laughs> ask somebody. And it's really, yeah. <laughs> it's really jolting for some people um, and maybe even triggering to hear that term. So I always ask, um, have you had any thoughts of harming yourself? Because there's a difference between self-harm and an intent to end your life. Those are two really different things. Um, some people have like self-harming behavior, like pinching, right? Mm-hmm. They'll do that just to, to feel some sort of pain. And that is, that is a part of self-harm. But when we talk about risk, that does, that, that, that entail is not going to end their life. So I always ask, have you had thoughts about harming yourself first? And then the follow-up is, can can you tell me what those thoughts are? Great. I also really encourage friends not to take it upon themselves to ask all of these questions because it's really important we get them to, to somebody professional to be able to assess that. But it is really important that we do check in with our friends. We hear that a lot, right? Check in with your friends. So that's the way I would ask. But it does not increase somebody's likelihood in being able to assess if they're going to to complete or attempt. In fact, it might even open up more of a conversation for that person to get that off their chest. Great. That's beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. This is part one of two, so don't worry. There is more of our interview with Jennifer Shahid. Next week, she does talk a little bit about whether or not we can predict suicide. And then in addition, what individuals can do to actually help to further support their loved ones who struggle with suicide. We hope you enjoyed what we've shared so far, and we're so excited to share the rest with you next week. And if you're brand new to listening to this podcast, again, we just hope that you have found this to be a space space of safety, love, and acceptance. We are a Portland nonprofit who aims to equip churches and individuals with just a better understanding of mental illness and the tools to combat it. If this has been a space of healing and growth for you or just of encouragement, we would love nothing more on behalf of the Speak Out team and board to have you just write a review on Apple Podcasts or to share it with your friends and family via social media. We could not do this without all of you. And we are so thankful for the opportunity to just be part of this little family that's growing. We hope you have an incredible week and we will talk to you next week.